Hello, this is Tracy Vandy Venter with Little Things First Podcast, and... This is Jim Martin, also with Little Things First Podcast. Tracy, who are we talking to today? We are going to talk to Chris McCarthy, who is really um, helping us focus and ask questions and learn more about teacher stress and coping skills. He's at the University of Texas at Austin, and interesting work. Yeah, this seems like a really important topic because... We're both in schools and we know teacher stress is high. Yeah. So let's call him. Okay, here we go. You have reached Chris McCarthy. Please leave a message. Chris? Hello, is this Chris? Yes, it is. Hey, Chris, for just a second we were getting your voicemail. We were going to tell you how awesome you were on your voicemail, but then we were able to sidetrack, sidestep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Sometimes the phone just doesn't ring. <laughs> Hi, Chris. This is Jim Martin. We've been talking on um, email, so. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much how are for joining Yeah, great. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, sure. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, uh, just a little bit of background, we're both educators, we've been educators for a long time, I'm an instructional coach, and Tracy is a principal, so. Okay, And Chris, I'm so excited to talk to you today, because I have been worrying about this since forever. <laughs> I, I, you know, the idea of teacher, teacher stress and coping skills, and how do we help kind of prevent that burnout and supporting teachers, I'm, I'm really curious to hear you know, what you have to say. Um, before we jump in, though, tell us about yourself and how did you come to this place? Well, that's a, uh, well I'm happy to do that. Uh, so I am a uh, professor in educational psychology at the University of Texas. Uh, also work as the department chair right now. Um, in our department, we have um, academic programs and we train counselors and school psychologists. And uh, my uh, research just the, my whole career has always been about stress and coping. And I would say it was right around the year um, 2000 that I got uh, focused on teacher stress with a colleague of mine, um, Rich Lambert. Um, and that's really kind of been the focus of much of our research over the past uh, two decades, has really been under, trying to understand the phenomenon of teacher stress. Um, and I have to say, say, um, one of the things that is rewarding about that work is we kind of felt like 20 years ago, um, there wasn't much attention paid to that, that teachers were um, not recognized for how demanding their job is. And it really feels like in the last couple of years, particularly, um, everybody's kind of waking up to that reality. Yeah. And, and from a person in the building right now, I also noticed, besides that it appears to have more stress in our buildings, right, and teachers have more stress, but I also have yeah. a, another, like, selfish reason to address this because we have fewer teachers coming to us and applying for jobs, and I, yeah. I, can't, I can't lose any of them, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's tough, and um, I need it to be something that feeds them and supports them, uh, but it's a dance for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. You know, um, we have a new dean of our College of Ed, um, so I'm housed in the College of Education at UT, and uh, you know, we have a new dean, and he was kind of talking about our teacher program and 
the fact that we have fairly high numbers of teachers who graduate from our program and stay in the field, but the numbers were like 75, 80% um, who stay after a couple of years. And that's maybe a good number for teaching, but for a lot of fields like engineering, that would be a terrific failure if only 80% of the engineers stayed in that field after a couple of years. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, um, I um, contacted you initially because I read some of your research that you recently did. Um, yeah. And one of the resources you used for a study that I read about was the Classroom Appraisal of Resources and Demands, or CARD. Yeah. And I thought uh-huh. that was really interesting. I'd love for you to talk about that instrument. And um, I'm curious, being in a school, is this something schools can actually use? And how would they use it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll start talking, and you all can um, stop me if I go on too long about it, because I have been working um, with it for a, a long time. And um, really, just as kind of a piece of background, um, I mentioned that I'm a stress researcher. So one of the um, main theories of stress advanced by a psychologist named Richard Lazarus um, decades ago is that human beings are vulnerable to stress when they experience their life's demands as exceeding their resources, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. it's like a balancing act that we all go through in our everyday lives. And not everyone's the same. So some of the research decades ago focused on life events. You may have seen some of those checklists in magazines where you, how many changes have you undergone last Mm -hmm. year, you know, like moving, and then you add up the points, and that's supposed to um, tell you how likely it is that you're going to be stressed or get sick or something like that. And what we've come to know is it's not the events themselves, but it's how we perceive them. And it, what's really important is not how much change or how much um, I'm asked to do, but what kinds of resources I have to do it. So we really try to apply that lens to teachers um, because we thought, well, here is an excellent example of that because a teacher, particularly, we started with elementary teachers, um, you know, they have pretty much the same classroom in most cases mm-hmm. each day, the same students, and it's a great environment to see, well, how are these teachers experiencing the total demands? And by demands, I mean just anything you have to do, you know, stuff you have to do, tasks you have to get done, things that right. you're up against, and then resources in the school context or anything you have that helps you do your job, so it can be your own personal resources, your own training. It can be your administrative staff, your colleagues. We define that very broadly. So what we did was develop a questionnaire where we asked teachers about specific kinds of demands. So demands having to do with meeting the needs of their students, meeting administrative demands like paperwork, um, meeting the needs of um, students with special needs, so different learning needs, or students who are mainly experiencing challenges like homelessness or things like that. And then we asked them in the same questionnaire, what kinds of resources do we have? Do you have? So we asked about specific categories like support from administrators and support from parents, um, availability of instructional materials. And basically by asking about both those sets of things, so it was basically a checklist, we were able to see where kind of what's the overall score for teachers in terms of demands and resources. Does that make sense? It does. And I I was reading through some of your work, and I was fascinated how you dug a little deeper and recognized that within a building, 
there there could be sort of similar demands and similar right resources, but yeah, but it affected people differently, right? That perception. Yes. Yeah, that really gets into that perceptual piece of stress, um, and that's what we think is like one of the important things about the work that we're doing because I think now people recognize teaching as stressful, but when you just kind of say, "Oh, it's a profession that's stressful," and everyone's dealing with it. They're not. You know, there are some teachers in the same building who can be experiencing very high demands, and the teacher right next to them may not. And, in fact, we found pretty consistently, and other research shows this, that it's really about a fourth of the teachers that consistently seem to be in this high-stress vulnerability state. Um, we found that in our work and even across different countries. It's really there's a quarter of the teachers that are really experiencing themselves as the most vulnerable. And that can be for a variety of reasons. It can be their own personal circumstances, of course, or maybe, you know, expectations of teaching that they didn't know getting into it. But, um, yes, I think the takeaway is that um, not everyone experiences that kind of environment the same way. Did you find any correlation with this fourth of teachers in, like, their training or the years of experience or what grades they were teaching? Um, we found, that's a great question. We do find sometimes that experience matters, um, but not always. You know, I, I, it's very inconsistent because there's kind of a lot of different things at play. You can have, talk about the overall experience of a teacher, how much time they spend on a particular campus, and those things all seem to play into it. I mean, and there's also like a little bit of self-selection that goes on. Like if people are vulnerable to stress and unhappy, they're probably going to leave. So yeah, experience matters, but it might just be because the people who are the most stressed out leave the profession, mm -hmm. you know? So it might not be the experience alone is, is making them less vulnerable, but just that the people who are reporting more stress leave. Now, did you... Um, we found... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. I was just wondering uh, if you created the card, you and your colleagues. Yes. Okay, yes, so you did. developed it. And um, yes. is it widely accessible, or is it something that, you know, Jim we wants to, to buy it. I know. I, I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, it is more of a research tool. It's a, it's a pretty short questionnaire. It's got about 25 items on resources and then demands, and... The kind of the we do a little statistical magic. This is mainly my colleague Rich Lambert's uh, expertise, but we look at the different score between resources and demands. If that makes sense, so the mm -hmm. higher the demands relative to your resources, um, that's when the vulnerability seems to be the most important. And so we've got almost a thousand teachers that we've used this with, and. So we kind of know there's a tipping point. Like, it's not just that demands are high, like one point higher than resources. It's kind of when they're statistically significantly higher that we see these effects, if that makes sense. Yes. yes. So what, um, yeah. what are you finding that um, teachers are doing to address some of the stress that they're experiencing or some of those high levels of demands versus resources? Like, are they leaving the profession? Are they asking for additional resources? What are the resources that they seem to need? I mean, that's probably six questions yeah. in one, but... <laughs> that's okay. I'll dive in and you can kind of let me know where I should go. I think, 
the answer is um, yes. Like all human beings, we adapt the best that we can. So one of our studies was with um, new teachers. So we took our measure that we developed, and we found that there are very similar types of items in a national survey that the National Center for Educational Statistics does of teachers. Uh, you may have heard of it. It's called, it was called a schools and staffing survey for a long time. Okay. Um, and it's a, so it's a nationally um, distributed survey of uh, teachers in the U.S. that they do every four or five years. And we found, much to our uh, surprise and happiness, that they have very similar items about demands on the classroom and resources. And so we've actually tested out some of our work with the card using this national data set. Um, we just do the same thing. We balance up the demands and resources. And we did one study with beginning teachers. And one of the things they did with this survey was track teachers over five years. And that data is available to researchers. And we look at the teachers who had a lot of stress and how long did they stay in the profession and so one of the things we found was that the high-demand teachers were very likely to move schools by their third year, if that makes sense. Yes. Much more likely than the non-stress teachers who were also beginners. And then we found by the fifth year, they were much more twice as likely to leave the profession as teachers reporting lower stress. Um, so that kind of gets to what you all were saying in the very beginning is like, how do we keep teachers? So what we yeah. found is and what, the way we interpreted those findings was maybe teachers get in for whatever reason, they're finding their initial school placement very stressful. Some of them probably try and move schools. So the way to make that better, you know, that's like one way of coping is to move. And then some of those teachers find that after four or five years, the moving hasn't helped and they leave the profession. Did you dig any deeper in looking at that, if you did move, if it was helpful, or maybe it didn't make an impact because they sort of took themselves and their stressfulness with them? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that, no, that's, a, that's a great question, and we are starting to dig into that more. The, this particular survey it was called the Beginning Teacher Longitudinal Survey, and it started in 2007 and went for five years. Um, it does ask the teachers who left and stayed if their conditions got any better or worse after leaving. Um, but we didn't, hadn't dug into that data because we wanted to first kind of focus on this more general picture of mm -hmm. what are they doing. Mm -hmm. um, but that is definitely where we want to go. It gets complicated because then you've got all these groups of teachers who leave and yeah. go to another place and they're in a different environment. So it maybe gets better, but they're not teaching anymore. And then some of them come back. So it gets very complicated yeah. after yeah. a while. The other complication is the survey started in 2007-8, and that was when the recession happened. Oh, sure. People were getting laid off, too. Yeah, so we found that the teachers, I think the overall leaving over the five years was like 17%, which is a lot lower than people thought. Um, but I think it might have been because, well, in the midst of a global recession, if you wanted to leave... And, you might have had second thoughts because there weren't any other jobs out there. Yeah. Right, mm. right. Good point. Yeah. So what, um, besides moving or leaving, are there other coping strategies that teachers are employing that are successful? Yes, yeah. And that's the other part of our research is we do try to understand, like, which teachers are thriving. So, like I said, there's the 25% or so that seem to be the most stressed, but... 
yeah, there are a lot of teachers who find ways to um, kind of make the job work for them that are actually thriving. One of the students in my research team is is in the exact category. She used to be a teacher and she loved it and came back to school because she wanted to work with other teachers and support them. So I think, obviously, the school resources matter a lot. I mean, things like pay come into it somewhat, you know. Um, one of the things our research team does is also lead um, groups in schools to educate teachers about stress and help them talk about stress that's going on. So I think one of the things that seems particularly helpful for teachers is to be able to connect with their colleagues a little bit more. Mm. Um, because even though teachers are around students all day, they're not in isolation. They're often isolated from other adults for long periods of time. Right. Um, so one of the things that we find that teachers really appreciate when we do these small groups and we do them in the school, we do them on their schedule to talk about stress is really just kind of a chance to like share with each other and talk about challenges outside of the school business, you know what I mean? I mean, teachers do a lot of professional development, team, you know, curriculum planning, but that's all business. So I think what they seem to like is that. And then also um, just practical strategies for managing stress. So thinking about um, even things, little simple things like deep breathing and self-care stuff comes up a lot. Like if teachers can carve out time to take care of themselves outside of school, that can be really challenging because of the hours that they face. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of work being done on mindfulness, if y'all are familiar with that. Yes. And Um, I I, think that we, go ahead. Well, I I just, I love what you're saying. So, you know, helping educate teachers about the stress, helping them not be in isolation. So maybe having a support group. I know in our district, uh, they have um, provided some free mental health. So, a lot of times yeah. it's sort of a short burst thing, and then if you need more, you move into another right organization. But they do have available this yeah. free, like kind of on demand mental health. You go, you call them. It's it's you know anonymous. I don't know how many people take advantage of that, but I think it's it's in the same vein. But but I guess yeah. my question is, we're we're kind of asking teachers to sort of take it on. I'm also curious about eh, what about us administrators or district people? What about things that maybe they could do more, like less demand. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you're right. I mean, that really is the ultimate solution <laughs> is to like lower the demands. I think we've given teachers plenty of demand. So I think it can be frustrating as a profession to say, you know, keep doing more with less. And that's what I think we tell yeah. teachers often as a society. And I think, you know, one of the things that comes up, um, sometimes is you know I'm in an academic environment, and so we really support new faculty a lot. You know, we uh-huh. leave them alone. We give them course releases. We don't ask them to take on administrative jobs, so they can focus on their research and getting settled. Yeah, you know, and I think in K through twelve, it's sometimes it's even the opposite. Yeah. You know, like the entrenched teachers get the AP classes and the advanced students and the new teachers kind of get thrown <laughs> you, into some you, more challenging environment. And you're so right because in our, and again, in our district, we've got new teachers or you got to get your ESL endorsement. You got to take this um, like literacy training. You've got to go to this because you have to get caught up on that kind of work. So, so to be honest with you, our newest people are just deluged, right? With, with yeah. this, they've got to get all this information. And then I have, of uh, six 
what, what we're calling alternative routes to licensure teachers. So they yeah. have above and beyond that, like coursework that they have to take to get their teaching certificate because they've entered the yeah. profession without having that in place. And, yeah. uh, and I see, yeah. right. You know, their eyes wide open <laughs> and sometimes rolling back yeah. in their head because right. they're, they're trying to do it all and they mean well and they want to do well, but it, it is a lot for those new folks. We are doing the opposite of what you're doing. I like that idea of what you've got going on in the in the higher ed. Yeah. I mean, I think um, that, that comes up a lot. And that's some of the research we're starting to do on the stress side of the equation is really see how things like, and this, a lot of it's been with this national data set because there's information collected about what kind of mentoring teachers have received and mm-hmm. what kinds of supports they got. And so we have, we've started digging into that. I mean, there's obviously already some research on it, but we're interested in how it affects their stress levels. Um, so that's kind of ongoing. But yeah, I think it is, you're, you're exactly right. It's such a steep learning curve. And, you know, I'm in a college of it, but I don't think we do nearly enough to prepare them in their professional sequence for what it's like, you know, right. when they're on the front lines. <laughs> right, um, right. And we've started including some of the information about stress in our professional development sequence, which I think is very oh, that's helpful smart. for teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one of the things that I think happens, and we found this just when we talk with teachers in the field is once they're already out there for a couple of years and already stressed out, it's kind of difficult sometimes to reverse course for them. They're already starting to burn out. Mm -hmm. So I think where we really need to start reaching teachers is when they're still in school and to understand some of these warning signs of stress. So they know what they can do. Cause I think sometimes there's a message and this comes up when we ask teachers that they admit some things are challenging. They're kind of afraid that it'll be perceived as, you know, they're blaming their students or they're not up to it. And I think that's really unfortunate. Yeah, excellent. I think that's a really good point. I, I, uh, I'm i going to try to get that maybe going here as, as even if it's just a summer, right, part of our new teacher orientation that we include yeah. a stress, right, uh, session. Yeah. Here's how you deal with stress. Here's the resources available. Here's uh, signs that you should watch out for. Uh, your principals know that you may need some support. Here's how you can let them know. Um, even a small piece from our end when those people are hired and then they come into that new teacher sort of week, that would be something we could maybe put in. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And the other thing that I think is sometimes helpful is for them to know how to recognize stress in their students. Mm. Mm. Because I think that creates sometimes a vicious cycle where students are having, you know, they have all kinds of stressors going on for them. They could be homeless. They could have parents that are, you know, there's all, and they bring that in there to the classroom. And I think if teachers don't have that stress lens, they can see it as like, well, that student's being disruptive or that Mm -hmm. student's being challenging and take it personally, then they get stressed out, (laughs) you know, it creates this vicious cycle. Right. And so part of the, understanding stress in ourselves is understanding not to be so reactive when other people may be experiencing stress. It may come across as very personal to the teacher, but it's really not. It's the students coping as best they can with what they've got going on. Um, So sometimes responding with empathy or compassion or concern to those behaviors rather than as see it as a disciplinary issue. Yeah. I mean, that's easier said than done, of course. Right. <laughs> you know, when someone's pushing your buttons, it's kind of hard to step back. But that's the whole thing. Is the more we can 
be aware of stress in our own lives, you know, it makes us a little bit better to respond to others too. So um, you've also looked at um, job satisfaction, uh, teacher job satisfaction. And I'm just wondering, you know, from an instructional coach standpoint or from a principal standpoint, what are some things that we can be putting in place to help teaching be more satisfying from the outset? I mean, Tracy mentioned fewer demands. Um, At the same time, some teachers are able to navigate those demands and others... You know, twenty five percent are less able to. Yeah. So, yeah. what what makes the work more satisfying in your in your studies? Yeah, well, that that's a great question. I mean, we've kind of seen job satisfaction as a precursor to other things like burnout. You know, it's almost like a sequence of events where you start to get stressed out. That affects your job satisfaction, mm-hmm. and then you start thinking about leaving the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a great question. I'm not sure I have a easy answer for that. I mean, I think um, in some ways I wonder if in schools could leverage the people who are able to manage and cope and thrive and kind of connect them with teachers who are struggling a little bit more, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I come back to this professional isolation piece where it's um, – <laughs> I was at a conference and – Somebody, we were talking about teacher stress, and someone there said, it's like, whose idea was it to put just one teacher in a classroom full of 30 people? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, why do we do that? I don't even, I mean, I'm in grad school, I teach graduate students, and I have a TA. Yeah. (laughs) For like 15 students sometimes, so (laughs) I can't imagine. And then I'm like, done, after three hours, I'm done. I'm exhausted. Um, I think, you know, that's a piece of it. I mean, for me, a lot of it, and I do group work, so I'm a counselor and a lot of, I mean, I think really establishing those connections where teachers don't feel isolated. And I know administrators be great, great clients where they don't, but I think the people we talk to who are the thrivers really, you know, are on top of their game and they figured out ways to make their job manageable mm-hmm. and ways to take care of themselves on the outside, um, have people to talk to. So in some ways, I think we need to be connecting them with the people who are struggling. You know, this quarter of teachers that are really struggling, like kind of having that professional mentoring. Yeah. Not just, you know, sometimes I think it's in the first year, but then it doesn't continue necessarily. I I have one last question. Um, Just because I want to sort of go up the ladder, if you will. So you talk about how teachers really, we want them to understand how their students are stressed. And then yes. that helps them be reflective about their own stress and maybe even yes. um, not take it personal, et cetera. Um, yeah. When are you going to jump into administrators and their stress and coping? Because that really bleeds across the entire building. Yes, that is an excellent question. And we actually do have an administrator version of our card instrument. Nice. <laughs> um we have not done as much work with that, um, to be honest, um, but we have found very similar kinds of patterns, I think, where the administrators' own demands. And boy, that, yeah, you talk about stress, administrators. <laughs> stress is like a whole other. I mean, that is extremely challenging. I don't have to tell you all that, but um, well, yeah, so I agree. That is work we haven't done as much yet, but. And you're probably in the same place where you're going to have 25% of people who maybe struggle and then you've got your thrivers. But looking at how 
that ripple effect across buildings um, has, right, has an impact across the, the teachers and students in the building. Yeah, because they're really the administrators are one of the most important resources for teachers. So that's been shown time and time again that they experience their administrators as supportive and caring and understanding, then it's definitely going to have an impact on the teachers. But yeah, the same thing. If administrators are burned out themselves, then they're not going to be in a position to help their yeah. their staff as much. So yeah. So we do have an administrator version of our card measure. Okay, good to know. Version. <laughs> Let us know when it's on teacher pay teachers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <It> sounds good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just important for us to be talking about stress because I think previously it's been seen somewhat as a weakness. So you have to yeah. act like you're able to handle everything and you're yeah. tough and you're not allowed to you know, yeah. show emotions. And so I think... You know, just the fact that we're talking about it is so important and acknowledging it exists and that we need to find Yeah, ways. and normalizing it, you know? Yes, It's yes. a hard job. In other jobs, we expect, you know, we know big flying an airplane can be stressful or coaching a football team, but somehow we expect teachers to, uh, you know, be able to handle it all without any additional support. And um, that came up recently just kind of giving this measure to some teachers that one teacher asked directly about that. Like, I'm nervous answering these questions because I don't want it to be perceived by parents or administrators yeah. or, you know, other teachers that if I say I experience it as a challenge, does that mean I'm not dedicated as a teacher? Wow. And so we try and normalize that and say, no, this is important. We need to understand that so you can do your job as best, but it's important. <laughs> right. Surprising right. if you weren't stressed out. <laughs> and, and then looking at just creating that safe space, right? So they feel like they can reach yeah. out and they can get resources and they can ask for help. Uh, important that we look at our buildings and making sure teachers have that have that place, that space. Yeah, I really think. I mean, for me, that is one of the takeaways: is being able to connect professionally. You know, and because what we hear is that there's so much. So the time that they connect is around professional learning and, you know, these things where they get sat in a chair and someone talks with them for an hour. Um, and they have very little time just to kind of relate as professionals, you know? Yeah. Is there anything else that we should know, you know, as we move forward with sharing this? Well, um, I will mention one of our new areas of research is looking at um, racial congruence between teachers and students. Oh, wow. That's very um, that's, interesting. That's an, yeah, that's an area that has been studied in the research on, like, academic outcomes that, like, you know, the, I think, like, 80% of the teaching workforce is white, but our public schools are now majority minority. Um, so people have started to look at academic outcomes. You know, there's some evidence mm -hmm. that if you're a student of color, having a teacher of color can affect your learning. But we're also looking at, like, what kinds of demands does that place on the teachers? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and so what we found is that actually the if you look at the demography of the students at a school, that alone tells you a lot about the resource, which is not a surprise to you all probably. Mm -hmm. So predominantly white school, um, most of the teachers are less stressed regardless of their own ethnicity. Um, but we also find that, you know, there's a lot of, um, teachers of color who disproportionately end up in schools where most of the students are in minority groups. Um, and it's actually, in 
we always one of the findings we have is it's actually the white teachers who are more stressed out in those environments where the predominant majority mm-hmm. is not white, yeah. um, which may not be surprising. I think it's mainly because if you're a white teacher, you're probably used to being in a white culture, and you know it's really when they are in that situation that they feel more stress. Um, so I think for us that speaks to um, just continuing to improve um, our training with teachers, you know, so they're able to work with diverse students, which is happening. But, um, you know, there's a lot more work to be done on that. And again, we're not blaming any group in that kind of work, but we think that's an important piece of the puzzle. Again, because yes. the teaching workforce is still so white and public schools are just yeah. much more diverse. So yeah. I think that's going to be an ongoing issue. Right. Hey, uh, we often end our talk with asking people to take a little mental trip in a time capsule. So, uh-huh. Chris, if you could go back to your younger self and uh-huh. uh, talk about like a little thing regarding stress and coping skills, either for yourself or for maybe the students that you work with, meaning the teacher candidates that you work with, uh, uh-huh. what, what would you tell yourself? What would be different if you had the knowledge you have now and could tell your younger self? You know, um, I thought about this before we started talking today, and it's actually more in my mind now that we talked, is I, I was probably in a similar situation starting off where I didn't reach out enough to other people, you know, finding mm-hmm. ways to connect with others. I was kind of like, nose to the grindstone, I'm going to get my work done and publish. And, um, I, now that I'm in a different role as a department chair, I just love meeting people in other departments and connecting with people in other fields. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had carved out more time to do that when I was younger. So that would be my main takeaway. I think a lot of people are doing that more now, but I think just the ability to just kind of reach out and make connections with other people um, in other fields uh, can be really important. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been, it's been very informative. I appreciate your time, and um, I learned a lot. Yes. Well, and, great. I appreciate the chance to talk with you all. And don't forget to let us know when that card is going to be available for us so that we could do a little screening, figure out which, <laughs> of, right. which of our teachers sure. are the four, 25%, the one-fourth. We kind of know, I sure. think, but it wouldn't hurt for us to have a confirmation because sometimes they do. They isolate, and you just don't know that it's really going on internally for them. So. Um, yeah. I, I think you've got something there that uh, might really help our schools. Great. Um, is the podcast going to be available? <laughs> yes. So um, we're a couple weeks ahead, and so um, it'll probably be end of January or February. So. Okay. We'll let you well, know. I'll, I'll email know you. About it when yes. You actually... Okay. For sure. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been Thank a joy you so talking much. to you. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Bye-bye.